They want attacking purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we're going to fight, and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And puts Graham back in front. I don't know about you guys, but if I see one bloke walk out of here, give the pat on back from people out there for a good effort, I'll spill up. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre. Hey Pack, welcome to Danny Boyd, a podcast about the most wonderful, most brilliant, most perfect football club on earth. I'm Danny McGinley, he's Tom Boyd, and the reason it is such a perfect club at the moment is such great stewardship, such great present, such great leadership on the field, off the field, but everywhere. Hey Tom, can you tell I'm sucking up to the president? Yeah, 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 I can tell. And also, you know, it's always easy to do these events when, um, you know, we've just won on the weekend. Things are looking up. We're almost, you know, just outside the top four, which, you know, we discussed last week on the Patreon that um, there's a very real chance we could end up at either end of the spectrum, which you could say for basically 10 teams in the competition yep. at the moment. But, you know, a week's a long time of football and we won by 30 points on the weekend, basically, Danny. It was an amazing game because we it was very tense for a while and because kids go free, where I was sitting was just surrounded by toddlers who had lost interest <laughs> in the game running around. Anyway, let's let's. it's enough about that. Come on, we've got one of the biggest guests we've ever got. Please welcome the president of the Footscray Football Club, Proprietary Limited Trading as Western Bulldogs, Kylie Watson-Wheeler. Welcome to Danny Boyd. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute thrill and I can't wait to have a chat with you both. It is, um, you know, we spoke about this before and I said this is the biggest guest we've ever had and Danny said well I think more people probably know Merv Hughes but <laughs> let, Merv's not part of the club on a day-to-day basis and getting the actual president in to obviously have a chat about everything that's going on how you got to the football club how you landed in your role is is such a, an honor for us and um, yeah maybe we should get started with what today's all about I mean you're obviously not at the club every single day and we can dig into what a president's day-to-day life looks like but um, what's happened today in the in a really significant moment I think in the club's history that, that you're down here to announce. Well, firstly, I don't think I've ever been compared to Merv Hughes, so that's one <laughs> well, maybe for the book. Again. So <laughs> that could be a one and only time. Yeah, it is a pretty exciting moment in time for our club at the moment. Uh, today, we just announced uh, Mission Foods renewal as our major sponsor. So they're currently our sponsor for fifteen years, and they've renewed for another five. So that's it will, awesome. It will make them a twenty-year sponsor of the club, and the that's biggest, longest, longest ever ever had. Wow! And what an amazing partnership they are too. You know, we have um, been through so many things together as a club including COVID where they continue to back us and we couldn't be more thrilled. Does that happen because of the type of club that the Bulldogs are that you can foster relationships that are like a 20-year commitment from Mission Foods as opposed to you know my mind goes to with some of the bigger clubs it's the big car companies or it's the insurance companies but Mission Foods feel like a real sort of salt of the earth you know direct to consumer um, oh no, they're a big conglomerate. Like, yeah, I they're understand, massive, but it doesn't feel like that. I have a friend from Texas who chose the Bulldogs simply because she loves Mission Tacos. Well, I'm not surprised by that, and I do think you're right, Tom, that it really does come back to our shared values. So, 15 years ago, when Juan Gonzalez, the CEO and president of Mission Foods globally came out here and he wanted to connect with AFL footy. Um, It was something that he thought was really important to help him really grow the business and the brand here. And what he believes really separated us as a club and what made us stand out was our true values and our connection to community and how authentic we are. And there are a lot of values that we shared then um, in our partnership and shared today. Um, Both of our brands remain the same in the context of that and, and really authentic and true to who we are. In, in your um, current position as president, you get to, I imagine, speak to all of the current presidents in, you know, whether it's the president's luncheons or I presume you guys have some, like, big secret meetings at some they stages. They do. I'm imagining it's the <laughs> Illuminati, you're all wearing dark hoods. It's like that the Neighbourhood Watch Association from the film Hot Fuzz. It's very... I, f- I feel like it's more like the G20 Summit or something like oh, that, where that... you're all sitting around determining the fate of the, the league and the world. Um, but I imagine um, you, uh, you get to talk to all of the different from presidents about their experiences, whether they've been there for 10 years or one year or whatever it is in between. Do you find that um, the position that the Bulldogs are in in terms of their connection to community really a stark difference to most of the other clubs or is it something that the clubs kind of have in common? 
Well, I think all clubs really have their point of difference. But I do think, you know, when we say that we are the community club, the family club, um, it's really true. And one of the things that when I first started working with the club from an admin perspective, and obviously I'm a lifelong hardcore fan, but the thing that pleasantly surprised me was that what we say outside and how we present ourselves is 100% true and authentic to what we are inside in the club. And I think because of that, that really is our point of difference. Yeah, I, um, I've given the example recently. So I go out and do engagements all over the state, um, some in the West, some... For, for what role? Uh, in, in terms of speaking or ambassadorships. Or this is just like your gigs. This isn't the, 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 the... What are you, the ambassador of Sons of the West? Is I am the ambassador for the Community Foundation. Community Foundation. Um, I'll get to that bit in a second. Okay. But um, in terms of my just general like breadth of speaking engagement, so I've done 41 for the year so far. Most of them aren't in the West. And if I'm not in the West, essentially this is how the conversation goes. Hey, Tom, can we get a photo? My cousin is a huge Bulldogs fan. <laughs> or my uncle or my friend's dog. But it's rarely in anywhere else around Melbourne an actual Bulldog supporter. A couple that we occasionally run into in, in other places. But in the West, in the inner West, in particular around the sort of very close vicinity to the football club, it's 50%, it's 60% um, diehard Bulldog supporters. And if you go to the schools, it's even almost more. Um, so I think for me to see the fact that not only the club are obviously you know directly affiliated with the community in terms of the close suburbs, but the way that they engage through the Community Foundation and the fact that we are, I would say, the true suburban football club for the AFL, if that's a thing that's possible. Um, I've always loved that about the Western Bulldogs. I imagine that's you know, the same for you. And do they also say, oh, but... Bulldogs are my second team. Yeah. That's what I get a lot. And it's like, well, so we think we should create like a second team membership. That yeah, might yeah. be a good growth Oh, that's for us. a great idea. <laughs> that is, I think we've got a diverse range of membership offerings in the AFL currently. There's like pet, pet memberships. And that, that's true. There, there's a lot. No, I agree with you. You know, I do I do think that, that um, you know, the love of the dogs from a connection, an emotional connection to the region runs deep. And I think people – who come from from Footscray um, and for the Western region, even if they go elsewhere, really proud of their roots. That's that's me. You know, my whole family um, came from Footscray. You know, three generations before me, and and I don't I don't live in Footscray anymore. But what barracking for a team that really represents those um, you know working class roots of my family is really important to me. But I think one of the things that is also important, while obviously we do have a dominance in the West. The fact that we've been able to really, you know, bridge that Western corridor even deeper and going into Ballarat has been really important for the growth of our club. And and when we say that, you know, we're the team of the West, it's not just Footscray, it's, it's that whole Western corridor and really being able to connect with the community deeply into that space is really important for the growth. Yeah, and I've seen that in a lot of my engagements. Like, there are a bunch of kids running around with Bailey Smith jerseys and Aaron Norton jerseys and Cody Waitman jerseys in the, especially in that Western Corridor. Um, now, if you go too far west, you hit Geelong, but if you stay sort of northwest, there's a huge amount of Bulldog supporters out there now. Yeah, where's the corridor end? Like, could we just keep going and eventually take some Crows fans? Like, if we just power <laughs> well, anything's through. possible. I mean, we just we just keep ploughing on. Sure. Yeah, that's right. We've just got to find a way to make it really easy to get from like Mount Gambia to here, <laughs> which is, there's no easy way to do that, unfortunately. And also, you know, not that, you know, we would ever um, maybe admit this publicly as a football club, but from my perspective, there's something really powerful about making uh, interstate teams travel to Melbourne and then drive to Ballarat to play us. <laughs> it's a distinct advantage. It's the same advantage that Geelong have leveraged for a long time, right? If you want to play them, you've got to get on a plane, then you've got to get off, you've got another bus, you've got to drive down there, and then you've got to work out how to play in the freezing cold. It's not too dissimilar. I think well, it's a real advantage for us. Clubs are getting revenge on us. Uh, I notice Gold Coast are requesting to play us in Darwin now. Yeah. That's just to get... Because we always force them to... You know, they live in the Gold Coast. They live in Queensland. Now they're suddenly having to go... To, and they go to Ballarat where they all get hypothermia. Yeah. So they're going, all right, we're going to play you in the hottest conditions possible. But, yeah, look, big question that we, we opened it up to the to the uh, fans. And I was speaking to people at the game. I said, hey, we're interviewing the president this week. Number one question for all of us is what's going on here at this building that we're recording in right now, the Witten Oval? When's it back open? Well, 
It's it's actually open from a training perspective, which is fantastic. So the fact that our playing groups are back on the turf is wonderful and they have just been absolutely chomping the bit to get back out there. And I actually walked out there today, which is the, is the first time I've stood on it myself, and it's pretty sweet. It looks pretty beautiful. Um, that feel? It just feels... Spongy? Good. Yeah, it feels really Whoa. spongy. It feels really <laughs> spongy. It's it's an amazing, um, amazing ground. But, you know, the rest of it's going to take some take a little bit more time. Um, you know, we certainly hope to be done by the end of the year. Um, we, we certainly would like to get an AFLW game within yes. the next season uh, at the ground here, which is As fantastic. the season that will start in September, August, September? Yep. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, so that's our, that's our with plan. All the, with all the food trucks? Well, there will certainly be ways to find food for sure. Exactly oh, how that will be executed, uh, you'll have to wait and see. It was but. so good. And <laughs> hey, if Mission Tacos want to just make it all Mexican, like that would be just an outstanding. I'd win. be up for that too, actually. Oh, although yeah. the, the Vietnamese one, the Ethiopian one, the Lebanese, they were all great as well. It was a great multicultural experience, and we'd love to get it back. There was many, many questions, and you might not be able to answer yet. But is the long-term plan have a men's game back here at Paradise? Well, it's certainly our plan to have AFLW, uh, VFL and VFLW games here. And, and if you saw, the phenomenal lights have gone up now. Um, yeah, we were talking about that earlier. They are massive. They're huge. Yeah. We can play they, night games here. They look amazing. And it really does help you understand how quality this venue is going to be moving forward. I think the biggest challenge about AFL games is our ability to service everybody who's who's in the venue because if we fill it to capacity in that way you know do we have the infrastructure really to be able to deliver on that um and so right now i would say it's not likely but never say never let's see what happens pre-season game would you know, dip our toes in the water. I played no. my first ever preseason game here, actually. It was like 40 degrees, blowing a gale, and the only touch I got, I think, was a downfield free kick for a goal. So, um, but you speak Perfect about, conditions. Yeah, well, you know, I played against my housemate too. He let me know that I didn't get a kick. Um, <laughs> um, you, you mentioned quality, and, and I think that, um, you know, super high-level quality is maybe not something that this, uh, in terms of like infrastructure and buildings, it's probably not something that this club has been used to or really ever had access to, at least not in my time. Um, how did you, as a, and I'm sure you are only one part of this conversation, but how do you work through, you know, this high-level, high-tech quality um, building and infrastructure while still trying to keep the identity of, a, you know, as we said earlier, a really community-based football club with some iconic things around the place that, um, you know, really stand out as part of Bulldogs' history? How do you find the balance between those two things? Well, I think the important thing is to recognise is that we deserve to have the best of the best. So just because we're here in the West or we're from the West or we haven't, um, you know, been the wealthiest club, we yeah, deserve to Yeah, we deserved it this. 10 years ago, Kylie. Yeah, exactly. So we're catching up. So we're catching up. But, you know, I think from that perspective to recognise that this, you know, until the next, next team has their next redevelopment, for a period of time, this will be the best venue in the AFL for a period of time from the context of that. And I think that that really recognising that that's not only a gift to our playing groups and our executive and our football department, but it is also a gift to our community. And a lot of the things that we've done in relation to the redevelopment is to create space for the community, um, a lot of areas for... um, you know, any of the community programs that we're running and ensuring that we're doing those in a, in a way that, you know, it's not like in some kind of back room, you know, tucked in somewhere. It's in a really beautiful part of the venue. And I think being able to really celebrate having a venue like this in the West is something really special, not just for our club. I certainly don't mean to sound like I'm pandering to you, Carly, but I, I said this at a function on um, Saturday for a local club who was about to demolish and you know rebuild their facilities. And I watched it happen firsthand at my local club. The impact that it has in terms of community engagement when you turn it from a, you know, what it currently is, which is a mix and match between, you know, the new infrastructure and the old, and clearly we're in a, a stage of transition. But even, you know, they're you know, cafe and ground and stands of all old to what it will be when it's finished in six to 12 months time. It's so significant. And I think people forget that, you know, you're not, we're not building this for the 22 guys or girls that run out every week. We're not building it for, um, you know, the players who are in the VFL. We're just building it for the entire community and the, the ability for the community to access it obviously then becomes a very important part of it. And to be able to sort of bring them back to the, the fold after, 
as I said, has been a quite a transitory period of time over the last 12 months. How does the club, you know, in, in um, enable the communities to really spend a lot of time here and not only use it as a place to celebrate what's going on, but also as a, you know, clearly a recruitment tool would be ideal to, to bring up membership and an engagement? Well, we wouldn't have got the extensive, you know, government support that we did for this uh, space, you know, both at the state and federal level if legitimately and authentically we were not providing space and opportunity for the community. Um, and I agree with you. I, I think as far as from a football perspective, and, you know, you know this better than, than the two of us in relation to, you know, if you're a player and you're looking for a new home and, you know, recognising that you've got, you know, the best of facilities, the highest of quality of, of um machinery and materials and and whatever it is that you need to to maximize your fitness and your ability to play for your play at your best on the field but also ensuring that you know as I said that there are spaces that the the community can come whether it is a cafe whether it is an opportunity to um, utilize meeting rooms or meeting spaces or be part of our programs and so that's really what has driven our opportunity to actually to be be able to create this amazing space because that really is what led to us getting the um, commitment from the governments. Meeting rooms you we could just have a meeting at Whitnoval you could just book that room that's awesome what about weddings? Could I get married? I'm I'm already married. Yeah, could I? Okay. Could I? Let's just you know, don't don't make home life harder than you need to be. <laughs> if you would could like you? to renew your vows, I would Danny, love to. You will be able to do that here at Whitnoval, and you'll be able to overlook the city while you do it. Oh my! That I still don't think my wife will be keen. But let's yeah. do it. <laughs> Anna suggested we do it again the other day in a few years' time, so maybe I'll swing it. And also, thank you for thinking that I did enough due diligence to know what the facilities were like here before I saw. I actually didn't know I was on the other side of the Westgate. That's how well I was going when I signed with the footy club. I literally, I remember I signed, and one of my mates go, oh, that's ages away. Isn't that over the Westgate? I'm like, nah, it's just, you know, on the this side of town somewhere. But, you know, I'd had a very good offer to come and play here. So, um, yeah. Well, that it. worked out okay, okay for us, so we're pretty happy you didn't know where it was. Well, they still let me back in the building, Kylie, which is the most important thing because that's not the case for every ex-player I'm sure um, so tell us a little bit about your your upbringing in terms of you know when did Bulldogs fandom start um, what was the absolute peaks and troughs of, of that experience during your you know young days and and then yeah maybe we'll get into a little bit more what it actually looks like to be a president on a day-to-day basis well in my young days it was more troughs than peaks and one of the things that you know, I, I never ever have left a game before the game finished because my dad used to say to me when I was a kid, well, if you leave before, you, before the game finishes, if you're losing, you'll never see a game to the end, being a dog supporter oh. back in the day <laughs> um, because we didn't we didn't win that many games when, when I was a kid. But, you know, it, it really comes back to my roots, as I said earlier, um, you know, a couple of generations of Footscray people, um, you know, my dad and, you know, my grandfather, you know, enormously connected to the club and and huge fans and and very very passionate and so I always always went to the footy with my dad and my sister and I would stand on um you know the the wing at the what was then the western oval on a wooden box that my grandfather made so I could see which wing Doug Hawkins wing or grandstand wing grandstand wing nice and uh you know through all of the the weather as you said you know it would gale through there and um you know but it was such an amazing community too as far as you know the people that you grew up standing standing there around um and so for me I've just I've just always gone to the footy with dad it's a big part of um you know my background my history what my family represents and stands for and you know it's kind of bled into a bit you know how I see myself as being you know a battler and and not necessarily getting everything handed to me on a silver platter I had to fight for for what I wanted and and fight to to you know progress in in the roles that I have in my in my work life but um, I was there at the Save the Bulldog rally sitting behind the goals it was I was in year 12 aging myself um, by mentioning that but um, <laughs> yeah. I had said to my dad, it was my year 12 study week, and I said to dad, can I go? And he said, well, as long as you take your homework. So I sat behind the goals with my homework on my knee. I don't think I did any. But what was fascinating is that Peter Gordon was standing in the middle of that ground. Um, you know, I was 17. Doing that great speech. And he was up there. And then to imagine that 30 years later I would replace him in that role is pretty extraordinary and I would never have imagined. Absolutely like crazy that that happened. What was the, when, do you remember the first time when it ever occurred to you that you might be president of the club? When Peter said to me four years before I became president, will you take over from me? Okay. Yeah, that, that's a big of a bit of a clue. Hang on. Yeah, that's a good moment. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have to be Poirot here. I reckon, yeah. I reckon I that's feel, a definite sign. I feel like um, one of the great um, sort of eternal consistencies between all football clubs is that um, 
sometimes it's very hard to find a replacement in the president section. I mean, you talk to any local presidents, they're like, I signed up for two. I've been here for 15. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like yes. that. Um, what is it? So how how is it physically and mentally possible for you to juggle everything that you have going on, not only in your work life, but obviously... Could, well, people might not even know. You, 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 what is your role at Disney? I'm the managing director of the Walt Disney Company. Wow. Mm. For like the whole Southern Hemisphere or... Um, for Australia and New Zealand, and then I also run ESPN, which is owned by the Walt Disney Company for Asia Pacific. Wow. Sounds like a pretty simple job. <laughs> it's a pretty cool job. Yeah, it does sound awesome. Yeah. It's um, a, I just wanted to clarify, you said your, your dad and grandfather were involved in the club. What were their roles? Oh, no, just passionate. Oh, okay. Just, yeah, right. just absolutely passionate um, well, diehard fans. And before we get into that, what was your favourite game at Whitnoval? From your, from your, like you go back to your memories pre ninety seven. What's the, what's the game that stands out? Well, I'm going to get the number of goals wrong, but I did the first number I wore on my jumper was Kelvin Templeton. Nice. And I do remember a game where he kicked an absolute bag. Fifteen, I think, fifteen goals. Yeah, I think it was against St Kilda. And um, thank you, Danny. Um, <laughs> And I do remember that being particularly at a time where you know we were not a successful club really on the field and you know to to witness that with you know the player that was your hero is yes. really extraordinary so that's a real standout for me my i see that with my my son loves cody waitman and anytime cody gets a goal there's an even bigger cheer from him it's pretty that that childhood who did you love growing up boydie or you he was already probably when boydie was like five he was already you know training mm. so he probably didn't have it here I probably mean, looked at Steve Conan and went yeah I can do that well again you got to remember I'm only 27 mate so Steve Conan was slightly before my time like my <laughs> earliest memories of like Brett Ratton and his era is basically the youngest players I can remember um actually watching them like Lance Whitnell a little bit later yeah and, yeah. Then, and then like my peak fandom is probably Juddy because that's when he came across from West Coast and it was like, you know, we'd been rubbish forever and now we had this superstar coming across to be Vizzy Ambassador or whatever he was doing at the time. <laughs> um, those were the days. Those were the days, yeah. yeah. That was a real gravy train, that one. Um, but, yeah, I, and then to, to Danny's point, I think the unfortunate part about trying to get into the professional ranks and sort of going through state and talent pathways at the age of 14 or 15 is you're very much heavily encouraged to watch the players um, – not because of the jumper on their back, but the way that they play. And I would say I spent most of my time sort of in the last two or three years of my draft um, cycle, I suppose, watching first Tom Hawkins and then Josh Kennedy and then later Joey Danaher as he came into the league. So I don't have the same, like, attachment. And also Carlton haven't been good in a long time. So it's kind of hard to to remember a time when I was loving being a Carlton supporter. Oh, see, I know this is a Bulldogs podcast, but I just love hearing Carlton fans being upset. I know. <laughs> It's one of the great joys of my Sunday nights at the moment. Almost every week that I get to text my mum, dad and my sisters and say, how did they go? <laughs> <laughs> so you, 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 when did you – do you get approached to be on the board? Did you put your hand – it's it's quite complicated processes to get on the board. And can, if I can add, the other thing is I don't think the fans – have a great understanding of how this part of the club actually no, works. No, we don't. And th- most people think the president runs the club every day. Yeah. You're here, uh, you know, like like Mr. Burns at the at the nuclear power plant <laughs> in your big office, telling your minions what to do, and looking at cameras, going, "Who's who's that player? Number four, Bontempelli, eh?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how does that process work? Because I think you know one of the things that I mentioned to you when we ran into each other is you know I know you well, uh, well enough. You know we've met a bunch of times over the last well, almost decade now. Um, and I, you know, love talking to you and I see exactly why you are in the position that you are. But for the rest of the fan base, it's hard to it's hard to relate to almost any president of any club unless it's basically Eddie Maguire who was on TV and radio all day, yeah. every day, or yeah. Jeff Kennedy was on the TV and radio almost every day, <laughs> or obviously your predecessor and Peter who did a lot of engagement around the club over a 30-year stretch or whatever it was. So how do you, yeah, as Danny said, how do you get actually elected into the board space? Do you just put your hand up and say, I'd be good at this or how does that work? Um, No, that's not how it happened for me. So basically going back, you know, I think around 15 years ago, um, David Smorgan, you know, knew one of the the people that I work with from a, you know, in my commercial life and happened to be lamenting that they needed some help in a particular area of business and this guy suggested he should talk 
to me, he said, you know, Kylie's a hardcore doggy and I reckon she could help you. And so when your club rings and says, you know, can you help us? You say, sure, what do you need me to do? And so I just started working on um, some of their business plans, just, you know, redlining them, you know, providing them with some advice and insight. Yes. That Sitting mean? there with a red pen and going, no, 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 you can't do don't that. Do that. Oh. And then, you know, writing in the margins, you know, all of that stuff that I'm sure when they got them, the, you know, the internal eye roll would continue when Kylie yeah. would send her red lines in. Depends how much red was there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and back in those days, there was a little bit of red, uh, way less than there, you know, there's way less now, that's for sure. Um, but I think from from that opportunity, you know, I just was involved in the club, just did whatever they, they needed from me. I was more than happy to help. And then when Peter took over uh, then as president, he was changing the composition of the board and he was looking for someone with my particular skill set and asked me if I would throw my hat in the ring. So what would you say that skill set is, Kylie? Because <laughs> um, whenever I hear that the words particular skill set, I imagine Liam Neeson in Taken. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bit of translation that goes on in this podcast because Danny represents, I'd say, people who obviously don't work in the corporate sector. I and again, I'm still asking the question. You know, what what skill set would you say is the sort of overwhelming strength of yours that you bring to the club? Uh, well, certainly commercial acumen, and um, at that time, probably marketing. Um, you know, really trying to work out how do we bring in more fans, more. Um, you know, a broader audience, you know, how do we connect more deeply with our um, sponsors and our partnerships and how do we really take what I was saying before about what our club really represents and help people to really understand that. So I would say that's really what he was looking for at, at that time and I went through a process and I was interviewed against other people but um, then they did select to get, me to join the board. You have to be interviewed to be on I the board. I did at the time, yeah, I oh, did. Wow. Yeah, they, they went through a couple of rounds of, of interviews. Um, but, are, they, um, are they grilling you like, you know, who wore number seven in, in 1993? <laughs> 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 well, then you would definitely make it onto the board, Danny, if that is the criteria. <laughs> that is, is for where sure. we're leading. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, yeah, you, cer- you certainly know all of the facts. But no, nothing like that, really just looking for – and I think looking for a couple of things. One, really making sure that whoever they're talking to actually has the skill set required and then also whether or not you'd be a good fit because what's really important about a board is that you all do have to have a level of connectivity and, you know, I think one of the things that makes our board great is that it really is made up of, you know, a huge variety of skill sets. It's not all lawyers. It's not all accountants. It's a real mix of people from different backgrounds with different expertise. And, you know, Peter really started that. Um, and that's when I joined the board. And so then after our grand final win, he asked me if I'd be the vice president uh, to help him out and partner with him more closely. And then he asked me for four years in a row, will you be president? And I said, no, no, no. <laughs> and then eventually, yes. Now, th- this is not reflective, I don't think, so much in the um, the people that were at the club pr- prior to 2014. But when I joined, this club wasn't the sort of juggernaut that it is now in terms of access or, you know, even the positioning of where we play during the fixture. Because in 2015, my first season, uh, yeah, 2015, my first season here, I spent the entire year watching my housemate Nick Floss from, from Richmond leave for um, the beach on a Saturday morning and me prepare for a game on a Sunday afternoon. Um, how has that 10-year journey been, do you think, from the club, not only where you sort of stepped in officially in the board role, but then also obviously now since taking over as president? How has that journey been? Because from the outside looking in as someone who's obviously been a part of a portion of it, the club has gone from you know really a, a relatively weak position to a really, really strong one today. Well, I think there are multiple factors to that. One is definitely getting ourselves into a position where we're financially viable and absolutely stable for the future. So none of us have to be sitting here worrying, will our club exist um, in the future? And, and we've been through that before, Danny, several oh, yes. times in our in our lives. So to know that, that you know, that is not the case um, is, is a real game changer for us. And success breeds success. So, you know, when when you're in a position where, you know, you've got some momentum from a commercial perspective, you're able to bring in other partners, you're able to really enhance that. Um, and then, of course, you know, really as far as the things that you were talking about, as far as when our game is fixtured, fixtured that really comes down with the quality of on-field mm-hmm. performance. And from that perspective, the fact that for, for many years now, our team um, plays a very exciting brand of football that we've got some really exciting footballers within that team and we and we have, you know, even even those that have left and, and finished up, you know, like you, Tom, you know, when you think about that connectivity that the audiences have and the thing is is that we're not going to get the primetime spots um, on the broadcast 
if just just because of Bulldogs fans watching. No. You need to be bringing in a much broader audience. So I think from that perspective, there's a, an excitement around our club. There's an excitement around our team that really has that knock-on effect. And and you know, and certainly winning the grand final in. 16, you know, gave us a big leg up in the context of that. And look, at the end of the day, like, and I've been very clear, like, football clubs at some times forget that football clubs are about football and that the 22 on the field and the different sides are the only thing that really matters in terms of that's the product that you're putting out there. But what I would say is that I've also been at football clubs where, you know, the executive branch, if you will, so the board and the you know higher-ups and the people who the make suits. decisions, the suits aren't functioning properly, and the flow-on effect down to the players is really palatable, um, because it's like, you know, football is hard enough at the top level, and trying to compete, and you know, again, we won't have to dig into the individual clubs around the league, but there's clearly some dysfunction going on at other clubs at different times, there's been dysfunction that went on here, I'm sure, in our history, and the players <laughs> carry the weight of that. Right, because you've got to answer questions about it. There's always this negative connotation towards a club because there's one issue or another popping up, or there's a public spat, or someone left, or someone like. There's always something going on, and I think that the best thing that the you know the administration that's been here in the last, and certainly that you've been a part of for the last ten years, is just it's relatively smooth sailing the whole time. And the handover from Peter to you was really smooth. You know, your commitment to obviously, you know, helping getting this this big um, project off the ground, like that really does play down into the players that are here because, you know, their mental conversation, whilst maybe not in my experience when I um, got traded here, given the circumstances that I was traded under, but for a lot of players, if you look at a club and you go, oh, they're offering me X amount of money, but they're always in the news for something bad going on. It's a real decision that you have to make because, you know, we all sort of get tarred with the same brush in, in one way, shape or form. So I think for the last 10 years of smooth sailing um, and the success that you mentioned before, it certainly certainly helps the players and, and makes their job easier. Well, I do think that comes down to two things. You know, one I mentioned before, having that real breadth of experience on on the board and you've got people who are there for the absolute right reason. So they're not there for for anything other than wanting to deliver the best they possibly can to support and help the club. And then I think a really strong partnership with the executive as well, so between the board and the executive. And what you were saying then about, um, you know, the players having to bear the weight of what's happening at board level, you know, really what should happen is the players should not even be thinking about the board. We should not even be entering their mind because if – if that's the case, it means we're doing our job and we're doing what needs to happen and we're creating an opportunity for them to have the maximum resource that they possibly need for the best on-field performance. Um, and that's really ultimately what we aim for. How often does the board meet? Once a month officially, but we obviously spend a lot of time together at games. you got a WhatsApp group? We don't actually. We should oh, set one up. Yeah. Okay. So I'm an ideas man. Take, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's your like commitment to the group. It's like if you guys thought about WhatsApp, that's the only bit of advice that you have to offer. <laughs> and so, and what what happens at a board meeting? Like, uh, is it is it here at Whitnoval in 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 the big fancy room? Yep. Yeah, it's here in the boardroom. Is there catering? No, because oh. we because it starts at three in the afternoon. Oh, okay, all right. Although sometimes there's chocolate and fruit. Ooh. Full transparency, that was Danny's like biggest question coming <laughs> into see guys. Do they eat like steak or is it like you know? I just wonder if you get a mission taco. We do get a something. coffee. We get a coffee. There you go. Yeah. This is pretty good. And and but how long does it go for? Is they are they heated? Are they, or is it uh, someone just reading out? Um, you know, is it, are you getting Jeff Jeff Morgan? I know he's the he's the accountant at the board. Is he just reading out the the facts and figures or, or what happens? Yeah, I mean, it depends on. I mean, every month there's a different there's different agenda items. Obviously, there are things that are hot topics that we need to be addressing and and dealing with um, from a governance perspective. So we're we'll working through those. Uh, we do have football uh, come and present to us three times a year. So both um, AFL and AFLW. So coaches come in and tell us what's going on uh, with the playing group, and and they're pretty honest and upfront. Um, you know, we don't we don't get. It's not sugar-coated. They're, they're pretty clear and, and you know, share what's really going on behind the scenes. They which come is great in, they say, Boydie's back is effed. We're just, <laughs> we can't, can't, do, just he's cooked. He's no good. And he's just like that or? Well, we, we definitely do get an injury update. Okay. Yes, yes, that, that's for sure. But, you know, it's, it's a commercial business. And I think, you know, when you think about the context of professional sport, of course, the most important thing is the output on the field. But, you know, this a club, the AFL, you know, it's a big commercial enterprise. So, you know, we're running it as a big commercial business and as a result we've got lots of things that we need to consider and process and yeah, you're right, looking at the P and L and determining, you know, if we're gonna make budget. No, what's, wait, 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 what's P and L? 
profit and loss. Thank you. Profit and loss sheet. P1's the good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such yeah. the kid at the grown-ups table. <laughs> Maximise the P and minimise the L. All right. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, no else. <laughs> and how long do they go for? Um, right about three hours. I'm I'm quite the taskmaster, so yeah. I do like to keep things on yeah, time. It starts at three, goes to six. You might want to think about the catering. WhatsApp group, Mission Taco, halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have a break, then it goes longer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you, you can, you can eat while you, while you do yeah. your P&Ls. <laughs> um, how did it um, – how was the I – don't, I don't think void is the right word to use, but what is it like taking over from a guy like Peter? I mean, as you know, so many Bulldogs fans would know his face, they would know his history – the fight back is so well documented, particularly in fans who've been, you know, fans of this club for a long time. Uh, and he also was at the forefront of every major moment. I would say a lot of them negative, not to mention in the last, you know, decade and a half, two decades. How long's it been? How is it walking into a, you know, as your first board meeting in that scenario when Peter's obviously just left? Well, it was really seamless because Peter and I had worked so closely together for so long, particularly over the the four years that. I was his vice president and we had really planned for it, um, although it was during COVID. So our handover did happen during <laughs> <Remotely>. COVID. <laughs> so, yeah, remotely, you're right. But there was definitely that feeling of trust and preparedness, um, you know, trust from him and preparedness in me that I think really enabled us to just be able to pass the baton and, and keep things moving. But I have a great relationship with Peter. Of course, he's my mentor. So, you know, during those early times, I talked to him all the time. So, you know, it wasn't as if then he just disappeared into the into the ether and, and never spoke to me again. So I think from that perspective, having that continuity of dialogue was was also really important. But I think the interesting thing when you talk about Peter's profile, you know, both Peter and David, if you combine their tenures, it was 30 years. Now, I'm currently two and a half years into my tenure and my first year as President <laughs> of Bulldogs it was the um, it was still COVID, so we were still in in lockdown, and so you know one of the things that I do do to try to get closer to our fan base is I do a, a video you know three or four times a year to our members where I update them on what's happening at the club, hopefully in a way for them to get to know me a, a little bit more. But you know, make my, no mistake, if we found ourselves in a situation which both Peter and David did several times on the journey where in any way our club was threatened, and I touch wood and I hope that we're not, but, you know, make my, no mistake, I will be as loud and as vocal and as, you know, and as present and as public as I need to be to make sure we do whatever we do to need to do to save our club, so, or to rectify whatever situation there is. So, from that perspective, you know, I'm, I'm very, very active at the club. I'm, I'm, I speak at every single event that we have. Um, you know, I'm engaging constantly with with everyone across the club. I work very, very closely with a meet, and I think one of the things that makes a great club is a is a strong relationship between the president and the CEO. And a meet and I communicate pretty much every day, seven days a week um, during the seasons. And to be honest, not that far off that in the off season. So that connection and that communication is is really important as we kind of drive the club together. I've just got goosebumps thinking about Kylie getting her bristles up, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah I want to see. So, someone comes after us and just, <laughs> I don't think so. So are we talking, you're talking like, you know, if, you, if we, we had to be on the front foot, the media was attacking us for some reason or there was a crisis. Like what sort of level are we talking? Are we talking, uh, you know, like probably the, the, the biggest crisis week is when, you know, the, the CEO leaves and the coach leaves and the captain yeah, walks 2014, out. 2014. Oh, are we talking more when, you know, Toby Green ninja kicks Luke Dalhouse in the face? We gotta, would you come out then? Well, I don't think necessarily it's the president's role to weigh in on that publicly. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, leave that to the, to the idiot fans. I'll take that role. <laughs> but, but, you know, if there was anything in relation to that, you know, rule-wise or, you know, that needed to be taken up with the AFL, well, certainly I would be on the phone to them um, addressing that. And, you know, there are a lot of things. that there's, there's, there's battles to be fought behind the scenes and there's battles to be fought in the public. And I think really being clear on what they need to be and, and you know, which they should be. And, and as you said, if you've got – if you're currently, you know, losing all of your key leaders in, in the club, then that's a pretty public – issue that you have to deal with publicly but yeah if there's some issue that a rule or a, a player has has done something that has slighted our club well I think that's a behind the scenes AFL discussion. I think this gets back to what you said before Kylie where you mentioned that the players shouldn't know almost that the board are 
almost that they don't exist. Now, I would argue that a lot of boards don't take that too literally, and they, they, they think that, oh, well, the players shouldn't know that we exist, so any problems that we cause doesn't affect the players, which, as I said before, is certainly not the case. But equally, I would say the fact that you haven't had to get your bristles up in public is reflective of a couple of things. One, that the club is going quite smoothly, and I, you know, without disparaging other clubs, was just focusing on the Bulldogs. The fact that you have a really strong connection with Amit and the fact that you have a very smooth handover from Peter and the fact that we're in a position where the club's in a really profitable situation, that is not the case at almost any of the clubs. Now, I know there are other clubs that are bigger than us, probably traditionally, but we're in a really different position than the club that I joined almost 10 years ago um, at the end of this year. So I think that is a really good point to make that the reason the fans probably aren't seeing you as much as they perhaps saw Peter in the past is because things are going a bit better than perhaps at different stages <laughs> and that we should almost wish to not see you all the time because that means there's probably a bit of crisis stuff going on. I think that's a fair assessment. Nah, come out, come out and celebrate. talk about how good we are. Talk about, come out. No, but you are doing something. People don't realise how much you're out. You, you sat with the cheer squad in a Ballarat game. Well, that's about my favourite thing to do. I wish I could do it more often, actually. Um, I was in the cheer squad when I was a teenager. Oh, so um, I do recognise and understand, um, you know, how much, you know, Chelsea and the team, you know, really lean in and, and, and what they contribute, you know, in a volunteer basis to the club and, you know, and how they, you know, connect with our playing groups. I mean, can you imagine if there was no you know, pom-poms and flags and everything. The floggers. I, I love mean, the big ones are called floggers. I didn't know that <laughs> till I was are. taught that. You that's, can you can handle a flogger. That, that's true. <laughs> but but imagine if they weren't there and, oh. you know, they do that out of an absolute love and commitment to the club and, and you know, they should be valued just as much as the board from my yeah. perspective. Oh, agreed. Uh, actually, one nice thing I've been to, I've, I've mates who are security guards, just they work at the comedy clubs and TV stations. Uh, the head of security at, at Docklands, at Marvel Stadium, uh, does say that, like, because you have to station a guard in front of the cheer squad, he said, never issues with the Bulldogs. They're his favourite cheer squad to stand in front of. I'm not at all surprised by that. So. I am... Um We've taken up a lot of your time, Kylie, but I do want to ask maybe one more sort of big question. Um, what is the, you know, we've got the big development and clearly that's taking up a lot of bandwidth, I'd say, of the people um, in your position and, and around you. What's the next big thing that the club wants to accomplish? Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be bricks and mortar, obviously, but what's the big sort of five-year, ten-year plan that um, maybe the fans haven't had a, a brief look at or, or any understanding of uh, at this time? Well, certainly seeing the redevelopment through is really important. And then there'll be a lot that will come off the back of that. You know, we were talking about having games here and events here and, and you know, creating a, a commercial en- enterprise out of the venues. So, you know, I, I was serious about you can ha- you'll be able to have weddings here. You will, you know, you'll be able to have conferences here and all those types of things. So I think off the back of the redevelopment being completed, then in some ways the work really begins because then it's about how do you really maximise it and commercialise it and make sure that it's a space that continues to return for us as a club because then it becomes an asset for us. So then it really helps us to continue to be viable and and then that cycle, um, you know, really continues. Um, I think also, though, you know, one of the things that I think we're we're really standing on the cusp of is you talked earlier about, you know, the appeal our playing group has in the context of, you know, when we're being fixtured and the like. And, you know, I do think that as a club we're in a really, really great place in the context of that and what our playing groups really stand for and they they represent both our men's and our and our women's and you know how can we really leverage that to continue to really grow our fan base to continue to really connect with fans so that we're not everybody's second team we're everybody's first so <laughs> i think that's a focus uh, for us as a as a board moving forward and as an executive it, is. <laughs> it wouldn't be great. Just all of Australia just goes for the Bulldogs. That's a good – let's aim for the stars. <laughs> well, you know, that would be good for us. I'm not sure that would be good for footy, but, you know, I think no. it would be good for us. One thing – I don't know if we do this uh, very actively, but I notice a lot of new Australians choose the Bulldogs. Is that been a – have we gone out of our way? Are we there at, are we there at immigration, at customs, handing out, handing out <laughs> scarves and stuff? Because nothing fills me more with joy than to see uh, a, a lot of multicultural uh, faces at the footy and you see whole families uh, it, it's really brilliant have we has that happened organically because the West is so multicultural or is that something we've chased well it's a bit of both I mean definitely we do focus on it 
because you know our our region really does have a lot of new new entrants into it and and new families coming in and and wanting to find ways to connect uh, with the the local culture and so as a club we've really helped them to do that which I think has been really important but I think why that has also happened for us is that authentically we really do support multiculturalism in our region and we support these communities and we bring them into our home and we make our home theirs and I think from that perspective there's a real authenticity in their connection it's not just about picking a team it's about you know picking a home Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Good. Should that we do listener mail before we wrap up? Yes, so quickly there's do There's only a couple of questions because you've actually answered most of the people's answers. I love this question. Uh, Tim, who's actually one of our patrons, he has a podcast called The Whiskey Bulldog where he talks about the Bulldogs oh, yes. and whiskey. We met Tim the other day, is He's, that right? Uh, no, we didn't meet. We, we met the other Bulldogs But we should podcast. meet Tim. There's a plethora of Bulldogs <laughs> podcasts out there, which you believe, Carly. We love all of them. Uh, this is. I love this question. And if you need time to think about it, I will put in some, I'll put in some special effects in post-production because <laughs> I genuinely would love to know what's a fun fact about Footscray Football Club that you learnt on the job that many people on the outside wouldn't know hmm you know it's funny because I actually did speak about it before you know I certainly knew what being a Bulldog supporter meant to me and I knew what the Bulldogs meant you know from a brand and from a um, from a connection to me emotionally I guess what was a surprise sounds like the wrong thing to say, but I guess a pleasant surprise was that what you see is absolutely what you get. So the context of everything that we say we are as a club, everything that we represent externally is absolutely how we operate here. And there's a level of authenticity to that that I could never have really imagined. And, you know, I do come from the corporate world and, you know, that's not not necessarily the case in many companies. Um but to really find... Are you saying Telstra's call, my call isn't important to them when I'm on hold for four hours? I'm so sure it is. I'm so <laughs> sure it is. Um, but, you know, when you get here and you realise that everybody really, really believes that and really understands and believes in our values and the decisions that we make as a club are always tied to that. You know, a perfect example is, you know, us getting out of pokies and, you know, several clubs have not and have made the decision not to but we know that that was the right thing to do for our people in our community and that was what was truly representative of what we stand for as a club and so I think that authenticity while not necessarily a um, you know a, a massive surprise but a pleasant surprise yeah I love that all right that Simon and Peter and um, small go did 30 years that's the other interesting stat that I didn't think about before we jumped on. 30 today. years. That's a long time. Yeah. I'm 27, Danny. That's older oh, than me. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. See, for us oldies, that's like, you know, that's, that's last week. This is, all right. F- finishing with a fun question. Simon uh, on Facebook uh, just was talking about the, the Disney connection and whatever. And I want to bring my own spin onto this. First of all, you know, which Bulldogs player should be in a Disney film? Because I reckon Gabby Newton does look like she could easily, you know, be in a be in a ball gown and a Disney you know, princess. A Disney princess, mm-hmm. and uh, I asked my my six year old daughter which Disney princess would play the best for the Bulldogs. She rolled her eyes at how dumb the question was. She was, she just went, Dad, Mulan, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> She's a warrior. She would play the best. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, so yeah, which which players would you put? Which would who would you cast in a Disney film? Because you know the managing director's in charge of casting. Oh yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, well, you know. Our, I mean, he's our number one fan, um, Chris Hemsworth, of course, is an Avenger, so um, he could probably help in make the selection. And He'll probably help on the field, actually, if we really wanted to roll Oh, him. yeah, he's looking possibly, good. Possibly, possibly. Well, I'm not sure you might want him to run, but perhaps if there's somebody who could just stand there yeah, yeah, yeah. and then just reach just up. Go I play think. on Tom Hawkins. That'd be great. <laughs> he doesn't run that far. <laughs> That could work. That could work. I'll I'll feed that back to Bevo. I'll see I'll see what he what he thinks um thinks about that. But you know, red, white, and blue. So you know, we are you know, Captain America is red, red, white, and blue. Yeah, nice. So I don't. Know, I mean, I, I'd have to go for the Bond. I mean, yeah. could could he could he be Captain America? I mean, he's got the Captain Australia. Captain Australia. Well, yeah, Bond's kind of the best at everything. So well, we that's right. Out there. He'd, oh, he'd, he'd, he'd love the silver screen. <laughs> it's true. Could we use this? Is my question on this? Could we use more? Because you've got you, we've got a lot of the the intellectual property of Disney and Marvel and all that. Could we? Because Disney have everything: Star Wars, The Simpsons, 
could we get some, you know, Simpsons gags happening around Marvel at, at, at different times? And Star Wars, like, you know, like GWS are stormtroopers. Let's face it. They're the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> Danny's only second greatest love is talking about this stuff. So it's the doggies and then it's... How the- much pop culture references could we get from Disney, like, to, to make the Bulldogs even... To bring the nerds in. You want to get more fans, bring the nerds in. Well, you know, our social media team here is actually already pretty good at that. They're very good. Yeah, they they do bring in a you know a bit of Mandalorian, a a lot of Simpsons. Um, yeah, they're pretty good at at taking our IP and using it without paying for it, which I have to turn a blind eye to. Yeah, can we get more of that? Ultimately, is my question. And in in, in the match day, that's just what I what, what we're after. Well, you know our our most criticised jumper of all oh, time. Oh yes, we know the yeah. Thor jumper, <laughs> yeah. but also the highest revenue generating jumper. Dead set. Uh, by it far, pays for everyone to hate you. Yeah, yeah right. by uh, far. And while we're on Hemsworth, uh, could you put in a word? We kind of yeah. want him on the pod. <laughs> so. yeah, that would be a get. That would I be. I don't a know if we can afford him. Honestly, <laughs> we're happy to fly up to Byron to to go into. Yeah, his I mean, he can fly us up there to interview him. That's. <laughs> Let me see what I can do. He's got a private jet. He'd come pick you up. Oh, oh hello. <laughs> Kylie, um, I know this started a very brief conversation, obviously, at a pres- president's uh, function, but thank you so much for your time today. Um, as I've said to you um, privately, you know, I love discussing things with you. I love chatting with you. I think you're doing a fantastic job, and I certainly hope that for fans like you, Danny, and the others, obviously, who listen, that they've given a, a bit more of a window into the life of a, of a club president at the Western Bulldogs in 2023. Yeah, I'm... I'm- it's great to get to know you, and I'm happy you're in charge steering the ship. And uh, please come back and chat to us. Uh, how about every year? We'll sure, get you on. deal. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I give my childhood to that role of the red, white, and blue sea, and the knowledge that you had to love the bulldog boys and me. 20 years on, I feel that longing Hanging in September air But the reason I go every week Is to pretend you're still there And they will find the glory one day And I will throw it at your feet It's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets Long, long road they're running for you The dogs and foots, grey streets